Hello and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Candace Campos. Now we make a lot of choices every single day and many of them are pretty inconsequential. But what you eat and drink and where it all comes from can have a huge impact on people's lives, not just here, but around the world. Take for instance, your morning cup of joe. It's grown in one part of the world, shipped to another, roasted, ground up, and then finally served to you. Now, there are a lot of steps and a lot of people in that supply chain, and not everyone get their fair share of the money that coffee generates. But that is where one Orlando-based coffee chain is looking to make a difference. Ben Hoyer started Downtown Credo with three words in mind, meaning, impact, and community. He joins us on this week's Florida Foodie to explore how those words apply to coffee and how his approach to business is improving the quality of living for people half a world away. Listen in. Hello and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Candace Campos, along with our producer, Thomas Mates. Hello. And uh, listen, whether you buy it on the go or you make it at home, a lot goes into your morning cup of coffee, more than you, you actually can think. And it can really have a big global impact. Some things you don't think about when you're just trying to get into work, but mm -hmm. it's true. Today we are joined by Ben Hoyer from Orlando-based coffee chain Downtown Credo to show us more about the big picture when it comes to coffee. Ben, welcome. Thank Glad you so much here. for having Thanks, for being guys. here. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's just break down what is Downtown Credo and what is it all about. Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Downtown Credo has been like nine ten years of my life so when someone says what is downtown credo immediately i have like a hundred memories <laughs> and like several evolutions mm -hmm. but the best way to describe downtown credo right now is it's three very local coffee shops with a local roaster with a particular heart so downtown credo is sourcing all of our coffee from direct trade relationships roasting it right here and then letting you name your price for every cup so that your morning cup of coffee can be a step towards becoming a person of positive impact in the world. Okay, so when you say name your coffee, you really mean name your coffee. Yeah, yeah, so. Price so, it. Yeah, yeah, so you get to decide. Um, for me, buying a cup of coffee is a big deal. There's no such thing as local coffee for us here in Orlando, so mm -hmm. every cup is affecting dozens of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so I don't wanna presume to n sell you something like that. I wanna let you join me in making a positive impact with that cup of coffee. Wow. Yeah, um, so it's it's just thinking about like the footprint that it makes. I mean, you know, that you can apply that to more than just coffee even, right? All oh, your food. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So for that was a big sticking point for me, actually, mm -hmm. like nine years ago when we started was like, I, I had finished college, I had moved to Orlando, I knew I was gonna be here long term, and I wanted to build a life that I would like, and I decided that my quality of life is more tied to who I'm becoming than what I have. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I become a person of meaning, impact, and community, then no matter how much stuff I accumulate over the course of my life, I'll like it better. And so I started thinking about how am I a person of meaning, impact, and community, and I realized supply chains are maybe my biggest impact on the world. Mm -hmm. Where my clothes come from, where my food comes from, mm -hmm. where my car comes from, and I immediately got overwhelmed. Like, It sounds like, overwhelming. Yeah, it's, it is overwhelming, right? Like yeah. I can't pay attention where my tomatoes are coming from, where the metals in my phone are coming from, but like a friendship fell into my lap 
to build a direct trade relationship with coffee growers in Guatemala. And so I flew with him down to Guatemala. We, we flew into Guatemala City and then 45 minutes up into the mountains into this dirt runway, drove an hour outside of the village to these little coffee growers. And that's where he was buying his coffee from. And I said, man, I would love it if I was a person who paid this much attention to my morning cup of coffee. That's how it started for me. That's why when you say, what's downtown Credo? Yeah, you're like, like well. Uh, six memories yeah. start coming to mind. Yeah, you know? like, well, sit down and <laughs> just listen. So where do you get the coffee from? So do you get it from Guatemala? Like, what other places do you get That's it from? That's great. Yeah, we have three direct origin relationships that we work with right now. Mm-hmm. One is the, that group of growers in Guatemala. It's been our longest. 2010 is when I made my first trip down there. And we've been buying directly from them ever since. Um, and then we built a relationship with a friend in Miami. His name's Emil, and his family uh, has a connection to some small cooperatives in Honduras, and mm-hmm. we buy directly from them. And then last year, I built a relationship uh, with a group of growers in Chiapas, which is right on the border between Mexico and Guatemala, and uh, we started buying directly from them as well. The beauty of buying direct is it provides small-scale growers with reliable and consistent sales where their their sale price isn't fluctuating with the market because I make a personal commitment to them that I'll spend this much on your coffee. You can predict it, and I'll tell you how much at the beginning of the year I'm going to buy. So it really changes their relationship to the market. So in making these direct connections and you essentially you're giving the money right to them yeah have you been able to see like their quality of lives change mm-hmm. over time from like right when you first met them to now they have this consistent income yeah i mean it's really interesting to see what happens um and there's probably more than we need to go into but the short version is mm-hmm. yes i have seen improvements so the growers in guatemala uh two examples come to mind um one uh, two to three years ago, a uh, mold really affected the quality and output of coffee plants in Guatemala. It was called rust. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of their prices went way down because the quality of their coffee went way down. Because I was committed to them, I paid the same value price for the coffee. I had built my business model off it. I knew I could support it. I might have been able to force them to pay to sell it to me for less, mm-hmm. but I decided not to do that. Mm-hmm. And that gave them consistent income in a really dark year for them in Guatemala that was really difficult. Um, the other story that comes to mind is that they, they used to outsource part of the production of the coffee in order to remain high quality. But with our consistently paying the high prices that we are, they were able to build their own production facility and move a lot of their milling and their washing of the coffee into their own means rather than having to outsource that. So they're controlling more of the supply chain. And for high prices, you're not talking high prices just like what we think high prices are because money does fluctuate a lot between here in America and here and over there in Guatemala as well. So I mean, that's that's probably why the whole name your price of the coffee is so important to you. Yeah, the reason I like people naming their price is so that it, it's really an interesting exchange to watch people that come in for the first time and, and they say, you know, they order Café con Leche is one of um, folks' favorite drinks. Love we, me some Café con yeah, Leche. We, we take a, a double shot of espresso and some brown sugar and caramelize that brown sugar with the espresso and then pour steamed milk over top of it. If you mm. get it in a cortadito, we do it with steamed half and half and it's really delicious. Ooh. Yeah, that's the one. That's our top-selling drink, right? So someone comes in and orders a cafe con leche for them and their friend. Coffee's always better with a friend, of right? Of course. Mm-hmm. And then they say, "How much do I owe you?" 
and or how much do it, does it cost? And the barista says, well, how much would you like to pay? Immediately, there's like a it stops the conversation in the tracks and mm -hmm. people don't know what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's that moment right there where they're stopped in the tracks. That's why I have people name their price, because I feel like we get on such um, a conveyor belt of experiences that we don't think about where that coffee came from. Mm -hmm. And if I can disrupt you for just a minute, even if you pay the same that you would at any other coffee shop, mm -hmm. right? Even if you pay the same amount, the point is not to change the amount that you pay, it's to change the experience. So that you own your place in the supply chain and you get to say, oh, somebody had to pick this coffee off of a mountain in Guatemala in order for me to enjoy it here with my friend this afternoon. And I wanna be a part of that, not just not just what can I get, but what can who can I become in the process of drinking coffee? Wow, I mean that's a that's a packed thought sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in the morning when you're like, I just want a cup of coffee, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it really does. It mm. stops your day and it gives yeah. you that ability to say, you know what, today I can and I want to pay maybe more because I appreciate today. I'm a little mm. more appreciative than other days. Yeah, sure, right. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah. So, do you sometimes see like a frequent uh, frequent customers come in and maybe change their pricing? Yeah. So yeah. So I think that um, folks tend to get in a rhythm of our regular customers. So right. we have regular customers at all of our shops, and we do one thing mm -hmm. where people can buy a monthly card. So we have several lots of our regulars that will just make uh, uh, an investment once a month. So they'll pay, okay. um, and they'll pay for their. They'll buy an unlimited espresso card for the month, and then they just show that every time they come, so that they don't have to. They can avoid making the decision oh. every time, right? <laughs> Looking into their yeah. eyes, going, "Pay <laughs> me right. a price." <laughs> yeah. Um, but and I, you know, I tell people they ask, "How does it work with people naming their price? Does it work?" But um, I've never managed a coffee shop any other way, so mm. I don't have anything to compare it to. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I came into the coffee shop philosophically, right? Like I didn't come in like as a business guy mm -hmm. going, how could I start a coffee shop that makes money? I came in philosophically going, how could I challenge people to think about meaning, impact, and community? And I had met these coffee growers in Guatemala, and so I just asked my friend, how much does it cost for me to buy this coffee from you? Mm -hmm. He gave me a price, and I said, okay, I've got to sell it for more than that. Right. And that's what I've done the whole time. So I don't really know how they do relative to other shops. Recently, I started analyzing what people pay their average transaction mm -hmm. and asked a friend of mine that manages another well-known coffee shop. Yeah. And, uh, remain nameless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it's about average, that our ticket price is about average of mm -hmm. what people tend to pay what they would pay somewhere else, mm -hmm. yeah. which I think is great. Yeah. Have you ever had like a, a really shocking amount? Like someone just like kind of like get the concept in their head and they're like, all right, well, I'm going to drop $100 on this cup of coffee. Yeah, so I haven't, the first three years I was behind the counter every day making drinks mm -hmm. and that's when I saw more. I saw one dude paid 100 bucks for a, a latte and a cupcake. Wow. Yeah. I was like, was good. Yeah. He, he made a good impact that <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I mean, and we're not just talking, this is, this is not just a, a charity that you're getting, you know, coffee that's been sitting in a pot. I mean, you're talking about, you really put a lot of craft and love and passion into your cup of coffee. It's not just the, you know, the meaning and the motto behind it. It's also about the coffee. So give us kind of an idea of one of your favorite type of uh, coffees to serve. Yeah. Or even drink. Yeah. So um, in the morning, I usually will drink either a batch brew or an Americano. Mm -hmm. I just like black coffee. Mm -hmm. In the afternoon, I've been on iced lattes. Ooh. But I... Um, 
regular milk is really heavy in the afternoon, so I've been using oat milk. We have oat milk in the shops. And then we switched from syrups to extracts several years ago so that they're not as weighty and heavy and sugary. Yeah. So I like a lavender extract uh, with hmm. a little bit of honey. So. Oh. So it's like an iced Sounds oat good. milk lavender latte with a little bit of honey in it. Um, it's one of my favorite drinks right now. I had one of those on my way here. Actually, yes. this just, that also sounds like the joke latte someone would order in a sitcom. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it does sound really it's good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Lavender extract and, you know. So uh, you've kind of been like alluding to this the whole time, but like there's there's a lot of like buzzwords that kind of get thrown around with coffee, like yeah. single origin and fair trade and things like that. And, and can you just kind of like break those down for people and, and why they're important when you're selecting your cup of coffee? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, coffee is one of those things like um, wine or scotch that, that you could just keep going down the road forever on. It's like a rabbit hole oh, of yeah. discovery, right? Yeah. And, and similar to like wine or scotch, um, uh, y your palate gets initiated the more of it you have, right? So, so uh, a casual drinker of coffee w may not notice the complexities in the flavor mm. changes, right? So I think that our um, that uh, artisan or locally roasted small batch roasted coffee, different from like large chain or high production coffee, you can taste the difference. Um, but it may take an initiated palate to, rec right, to right. recognize the difference, right? Um, for me, p one helpful distinction, at least in the space I'm in, is this fair trade versus direct trade, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, the difference there is just fair trade is a certification that a cooperative would need to get. And that you to qualify for that certification is like qualifying for an organic trade certification or mm -hmm. something where there are some there are minimum standards about what you pay, who's allowed to harvest um, and how the production really how the business of the production goes. And fair trade is a certification that happens across industries, not just in food or in coffee. Right. Mm -hmm. What we find in coffee is that. Uh, fair trade sets a floor on the price. Okay, once you qualify, you go through the trouble to get certified as fair trade, and nobody can pay you less than a certain amount for that cup for those beans, right? Okay. As a grower, yeah. it's a false market, right? You may have coffee that on the on the regular market wouldn't demand that high of a price, but because you qualify as fair trade legally, they can't, right? Gotcha. Um, the problem is people have to lay out money to get that certification and they're not guaranteed a certain amount of sales at the fair trade price. Gotcha. So they may try and sell it as fair trade, but nobody wants to buy it from them as fair trade. So then they've got to sell it as a regular price, not as fair trade. There's no guaranteed sale. So they lay out money and don't necessarily recoup uh -huh. it, right? Um, direct trade is where I build a relationship with you, specifically as a grower, and I'm gonna work hard um, to get the money as directly as I can to you. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, a friend of mine uh, works in Mexico and was buying coffee in country from Mexico mm -hmm. for his restaurant chain. And he realized to get coffee from coffee growers to his restaurants, he had nine people in the supply chain in between him. Each of them marking up the coffee and taking a little cut, mm -hmm. right? The growers getting the least of the money. Right, of course. Right? Yeah. So this direct trade goes around those, those uh, middle people in the supply chain and gets as much money into the hands of the coffee growers as possible. Um, that's really great. 
Mm -hmm. Then the next step for Credo, what we do is instead of going direct to large scale farms, we go direct to super small scale growers. Like when I made that trip to Guatemala, we brought clean water filters with us because they didn't have clean drinking water. They had dirt floor homes, right? And so you have to work really hard to figure out how to get their, their coffee out of the country. Mm -hmm. You need advocates and supporters, right? And that's what we do. We have advocates that help us get that coffee out of, their, out of the country mm -hmm. and over to us. Yeah. Uh, but that's really hard to do. Um, the highest level you can look for usually is just direct trade coffee because you know it's getting as much money into the hands of the growers as possible. I mean, how long does that process take to to find that local that local grower and find and create that you know that relationship yeah. and also figure out how you're going to get it from point A to point B? Listen, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it's very serendipitous. I'll tell you. I'll try and make the story brief about how I made this new connection, but. Mm -hmm. One of my projects, once I had started downtown Credo and realized that you could generate revenue and address and make a positive impact in the world, I started a nonprofit called Rally that tries to help people do that, start social enterprises. In order to do that, I'd partner with Rollins, right? Mm -hmm. In that work with Rollins, I met a professor at Crummer that was writing a book on a social enterprise in uh, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. The social enterprise was part of a large company, that the one that I just mentioned in Mexico, that was sourcing their coffee directly from coffee growers. And she brought some back. She didn't drink any coffee, um, so she brought it for me. She only drinks tea. And it tasted wonderful. She actually brought two origins. One of them didn't taste very good. The other one I really liked. And I said, I love this coffee. And she, she got all excited. She connected me in email to the guy in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And he said, I looked at your website. He's like, if you can come, if you can get yourself to Mexico City, I'll take care of all your expenses on the ground and take you to meet these coffee growers in Chiapas. Wow. He's like, I'm going in three weeks. Mm -hmm. I said, Send me okay, I'll go. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we bought a plane ticket and I went and I realized as I was flying to Mexico City that I don't speak any Spanish. <laughs> and I'm flying into Mexico City. And I have an address to Uber to at night that I'm going to show the Uber driver and hopefully everything works out. Right. right? I, get, I show the Uber driver. He looks twice at me at the address. says, okay. I get in the car and I pull up to an intercontinental hotel. It's one of the nicest restaurants. I mean, one of the nicest hotels in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Right. And then fly with the guy that owns the company, his private jet, to the border between Mexico and Guatemala. You're like, am I in a movie? <laughs> right. it was am I in a movie? Amazing, yeah. right? Then it's we get nerve-wracking too. <laughs> like you're just almost waiting for the other shoe to drop. It was crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like these guys. Yeah. So it's a it's a very successful company that owns 200 chains, 200 restaurants in Mexico that decided they wanted to try and source their products ethically. Mm -hmm. And I found out later I was on the plane with the two guys that owned the company oh, wow. because they were going to see the new village that they were buying coffee from. Okay, so I stay in their intercontinental hotel and then in the morning fly on their private jet to the border between Guatemala and Mexico. Really roughing it. Yeah. Then I get in the back of a van and drive up the side of, the, of a volcanic mountain, Cafe oh Tacana, right? To the border between Guatemala and Mexico where they're smuggling people across the, across the border. I mean, it's one of the craziest spaces I've been. Then we drive up further into the village, to this village with indigenous people. Um, they don't have deeds for the land. Mm -hmm. They just have always lived there, and that's their land. The coffee wow. grows naturally on the side of the mountain, and they just have harvested it because they need to find a way to make money, and there's coffee growing here, so they're selling it. Mm -hmm. This restaurant group 
has determined that they want to buy directly from this village and several villages like it. So they assure them they'll buy all the coffee they can harvest and pay above market value because they're cutting out these nine men right. that now can. Yeah. And when they come, Heifer International comes, Rainforest Alliance comes, and they begin to help them increase the production. They find out that the women there can also make a really great mole sauce. So they start buying mole sauce fr from these women for the restaurants that are near them, right? I mean, it's an amazing project. Mm, yeah. And I leave completely inspired right mm -hmm. and I come back I write an email thank you Gustavo for the trip it was amazing if you ever get the coffee into the States um, I'd love to sell it here he says how much can you buy Wow and I said well let's start with a pallet of coffee mm -hmm. he said great I'll have it to your door at this price here's your price I said great I can sell it for more than that mm -hmm. and now we've developed this partnership they just came here last week because the producers at the cooperative wanted to see where their coffee ended up and so it was their third visit ever into the United States this guy who grew up as a son of a coffee farmer in Mexico uh, first time in Florida ever drove around to see the three coffee shops where his coffee ended up right oh my it's an amazing God. story and it yeah. changes your experience of coffee to know that that you're involved in something that is benefiting life, not just giving you a nice afternoon latte. And know? how many people are involved within just the coffee growers? I mean, let's say, for instance, that last example. So he, uh, Jose, is the, runs the cooperative. That He's the guy that came here. Mm -hmm. He works with 30 families that grow the coffee that mm -hmm. produce the uh, one pallet. So mm -hmm. 1,500 pounds at a time. We went through it in about two months we put it on espresso in all of our coffee shops and so now I'm going to start selling it more so mm -hmm. I'll get two pallets the next time and then hopefully three pallets the time after mm -hmm. that that's amazing yeah it's fun yeah so I mean even though you're only working with these small growers there's no short supply of the coffee for you right I mean, like are you guys having to keep up even you mean are, are we running out of their production yeah yeah so mm -hmm. it is it's a little bit interesting because remember coffee is harvested once a year mm -hmm. right once a year yeah once a year in a couple of regions they can have two harvests harvests a year but but usually it, it's like they just start um now it's november mm -hmm. they're just starting and they'll finish january late january early february so it's, it is like wine where you have kind of that yep. season where you're going to harvest yep. the grapes yep right and then you sell it as soon as you can right mm -hmm. and then because you have to keep it stable once it's processed it can be stable if you take care of it but if you don't take care of it it'll go bad and then it's ruined mm -hmm. and and then you sell it and then it's done right so i have had situations where uh, like with the Guatemalan, we've been working with them for nine years where I tell them in like January, February, how much of their coffee I think I'm going to want over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they sell the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if I guess wrong, I've got to find somebody else uh -huh. to buy coffee from. If I got busier than I thought at the beginning of the year. So one of the challenges of doing coffee direct trade, if I were just buying from a, a broker, he imports all pal like containers and containers of no coffee and I can borrow it as I want, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm earmarking it from specific growers, I've got to guess at the beginning of the year. The plus of this one in Chiapas, the story that I told you, mm -hmm. is that I have that large restaurant group mm -hmm. who buys a warehouse full of it mm -hmm. and they'll sell me theirs if I run low and guess wrong with Jose okay. right all right so, and, if you, and if you can describe what type of coffee this is so someone who's like okay so this would taste is it like is it smoky is it I yeah. mean how would you how would you describe the coffee yeah so um, 
I think uh, tasting is is subjective. Like I said, like like yeah. it, you, 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 your palate. But you can notice specifics. And one of the things I like about this Mexican is that we can roast a little bit darker, which is why we feature it on our espresso machine. So mm. yeah, I gotcha. feel like it has a more earthy, kind of chocolatey, spicier notes. It has a little bit of sweetness, and it's not devoid of like a fruit flavor. But like our Guatemalan, which was on the espresso before, mm. has is a more like grapefruit forward coffee. This is much more earthy coffee that's, that's amazing so I'm, I was looking at your website and oh, you have cool. some interesting quotes here okay and one says we're learning that if you pursue a life of meaning impact and community and start with steps so small that they may even seem silly you may not know where you'll end up but it will certainly be a good road yeah that is kind of a mouthful when you think <laughs> about the impact that you're not only having on a family yeah but I mean, on a whole community in yeah, some places. Right. I mean, what is that, that, that meaning for you that you want people just to make that decision on their coffee, but continue those decisions throughout their, throughout their day? Yeah, yeah, totally. So like that, actually that statement about steps so small, they seem silly started, uh, for, occurred to me, I think it works with coffee because if your morning cup of coffee, if you're naming your price for a coffee, if you come in, it might seem like, oh, these guys are, this is a gimmick. It, right. it feels silly, right? Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it and own the potential of, oh, right, like, let me join with the other Credo folks and have a positive impact in Chiapas. Rather than just buying any coffee, I know that I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. If you own it, it might inspire you to other steps of impact. Where this really occurred to me is when I decided I wanted to be a person of impact in my city. And I went to nonprofits and said, what are you not doing that you'd like to be doing? Mm -hmm. And the, the project that presented itself was picking up trash along Paramore Avenue downtown. And um, it was not a job I wanted to be doing. I remember mm -hmm. one morning, uh, it was when there was a fire station right there on Paramore Avenue. Mm -hmm. Fire Station 2 used to be down there. And I was the, the firefighters came out and they asked me, it was a Saturday morning. They were like, why are you doing this? Like in the afternoon, there's going to be trash here again, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And I tried to explain to them that it's not about what I'm accomplishing. It's about who I'm becoming. I, I don't want to solve the problem of trash. I want to be a person who doesn't walk by trash anymore, mm -hmm. right? right? But what I didn't see coming, like that was the intention. What I didn't see coming is the friendships I made and how I began to realize what it means. To, I grew up in Lake Mary, what it means to be white middle class in the suburbs versus what it means to be black, poor, and from the city. And as I made friendships with people that grew up in different life experiences than me, all of a sudden my whole big approach and outlook on life began to change. Mm -hmm. And if I never would have taken that step that seemed silly of picking up trash on Paramore Avenue on Saturday morning, I wouldn't have ended up there, right? Mm -hmm. And so the thing for me is a life of meaning, impact, and community, no matter who you are or what you have, you'll like better. But the trick is not to try and become a person of meaning, impact, and community on a large scale first. So Start with your small decisions. Mm -hmm. Where are you getting your cup of coffee? How are you spending your Saturday mornings? Uh, what, are the, what are the small decisions? How are those about meaning, impact, and community? And you can build from there. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's yeah. where that quote Absolutely, comes from. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you're a father of three, so your yeah. hands are quite full. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how have you explained, I mean, how have you taught your kids through this whole process? Because you're also kind of an, I mean, you're an entrepreneur and yeah, you're yeah. creating your own business, yeah. a successful business yeah. in more ways than one. I yeah. mean, do they think dad is just crazy? They, at times. <laughs> so we have like done some different things on buildings and um, we have, um, uh, one of my favorite stories is in, 
in second grade, my son, he's my oldest, he's mm-hmm. in sixth grade now, but, w- but he came home one day in second grade and he said, hey dad, my friend Elizabeth and I, we're gonna start a, a bookstore. I said, oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. He's like, he's like, yeah, we got all these books. Elizabeth has a lot of books that girls like, so we're gonna start with girls books because we figured we could sell those. <laughs> and I said, that's great, that's you've smart. defined a niche market, yeah. really smart. <laughs> he's like, so dad, I'm gonna need you to get a building. I said, a building? Yeah, you can get me a building, can't you? I need a building so I can, he's in second grade, so I can start a bookstore. Yeah. You know? And I, I like, um, uh, just with respect to kids, bringing them along mm-hmm. on um, the evolution and uh, at the steps, bringing them to projects, uh, taking him to classes at Rollins where I'm speaking on the value of social entrepreneurship so, and not dumbing it down for, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I I'm excited to see who they become right. after watching these stories, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah, it's inspirational, for sure. Yeah. So um, you have three locations right now. Yeah. Um, how hard was it to scale, given that you have this direct relationship and you have to guess how much coffee you need? You know, like, how long into it was before you had the second business? And then how did you, what were the challenges with, with growing going about it this, you know, less typical way. Yeah, uh, lots. I mean, lots of challenges. Mm-hmm. I, I had the benefit, of course, of like, of um, of being naive, right? Just mm-hmm. naive enough, like, yeah. um, to not know. No one told you you couldn't do it. Right, Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so, and I didn't, um, be, because of the way I started, um, I didn't go into debt at all. I just, I didn't know enough to know that you could go into debt to start <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? And so, I, when Downtown Credo started as a 501c3 nonprofit, um, once we started opening other coffee shops, we moved into what's called a benefit corporation, mm-hmm. which is a for-profit structure that exists for the benefit of the public, not the profit of the shareholders, right? It's a really cool thing that social enterprises are doing to institutionalize their social good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when we started, we were uh, a 501c3, so I just got donors to get me my initial equipment, cover my first lease. Um, And then what happened is we had strategic partners. Downtown Credo came into the coffee shop market in Orlando at just the right time. Mm -hmm. When local coffee shops were starting to change out of the 90s local coffee shops, right? Mm -hmm. So we opened in 2009. Around the country, like a third wave of coffee shop, which might be like very clean lines, modern furniture, Mm -hmm. artisanal coffee. Uh, Before that, coffee shops had been like, uh, kind of dirty couches and cigarettes, right? Yeah. I, I joke, people from the 90s will remember a movie called So I Married an Axe Murderer. And yes. I, I call it, yeah, So I Married an Axe Murderer coffee shops. Downtown Credo came in just after that wave, right mm-hmm. at the right time we were the, the first ones like in the Orlando. I'm thinking like the Friends sitcom coffee yeah, shop, yeah, exactly. big couches yeah. There and actually like is that. a coffee shop just like that yeah. in uh, over in uh, Audubon Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so um, Downtown Credo came in at just the right time when, when people were looking for something else in coffee shops. And so we had people approach us about starting coffee shops. Once we had established ourselves in College Park, uh, people approach us about, could you start one here? Could you start one here? And I had the benefit of having built friends and alliances around this mission. And so we Mm -hmm. could just build strategic partners. So Advent Health brought us to build a coffee shop there. And there was a very strategic partnership. And then um, downtown, we put one in the, in the Church Street Exchange building and found partnerships with Craig Usler and Brooke and the Creative Village. 
Um, and then we found one in the in an apartment building where they brought us in. And so because downtown Credo stands for meaning, impact, and community, we got really strategic partners, which made it possible. So we had really favorable leases. We got build-out support. So downtown Credo's growth has been because we built strong alliances yeah. and friendships with people that believe in the mission that we're working on. Well, and positivity builds more positivity. For you sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that just kind of sums up what Credo is all about. Downtown Credo is all about. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking oh, yeah. with us. It, I learned so much. <laughs> I am going to think so much more about the cup of coffee <laughs> right? that I order. That's awesome. And if anybody wants to find you, what's your address? What's the best way of following you guys along the journey yeah so our instagram is the most active and that's just at downtown credo okay. um, or you can find a contact us on our website downtowncredo.com and that generates an email that'll find its way to me so, awesome yeah excellent cool thank you so much thanks, thanks guys thank you so much yeah Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Ben Hoyer, from Downtown Credo. You can follow Downtown Credo on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also learn more on their website, downtowncredo.com. Our host is Candace Campos. Please take the time to follow her online as well. You can find her on Twitter. Just search at News 6 And on Facebook, search Candace Campos News 6. We'd also like to thank our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Hawley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Please take the time to rate and review us wherever you download your podcasts. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts on clickorlando.com slash podcasts.